Welcome to the Puzzle Whole Dream Out podcast show. And today I am doing a little bit from a book by Stephen Siesico, The Walls of Loka. Steve Siakiak P-H-Y-S-A-O-C Prologue, Lucia, Italy, 1914 The Blessings Conference Sisters' Voices rose in unison as he neared the second hallelujah of the sacrifice of our Saviour. Joy lit 12-year-old Isabel's face as she sped up Fed up her lightning difficulty to race the sisters to the finish line with a praying your sin- sinners no ma- what no sinners know at the hour of death man the orphan girl had fought the strict discipline of the dressing sisters at first up each morning at 5.30 in the church novia, on her knees with rosaries in her hand at 6, asking God for forgiveness. When she realised she would lose this battle, she reluctantly gave in, but on her own terms. While she was required to say one Lord's Prayer, five Hail Marys and two acts of contrition every morning, little Isabel made a game of it. She would see... How quickly could she spin the Hail Marys and acts of contrition up, to, up in a thrilling competition in Sister's final Santasia. Upon achieving victory, she would pump a glorious fist to the heaven to accelerate a personal final brilliance. Then it was her on her true church, her garden. The garden was where Isabel bloomed. This was where she prayed. Never in the confines of the church walls, but always outside, embraced by the loving arms of nature. It was where Isabel felt closest to God, and the vegetables blossomed with her touch. The tomatoes seemed brighter, the kale appeared of darkest green, the olives tasted even more robust. The entire garden prospered in her presence. The nuns even let her wander off into the woods, well beyond Isabel's walls, because she would come back with the most amazing wild mushrooms, big prehensile mushrooms that she would mix into the pasta and prize black truffles with a rich flavour that made Isabel a favourite of the Blessings Convent. So the sisters left Isabel alone, Isabel alone, watching her sing to each seed as she dropped it into the soil, giving, her, giving the dirt a little love tap before moving on to the next plant. She clipped certain leaves from her olive trees, kissed them, each leaf before dropping it onto the compost bin, into her compost bin. Her nuns would only shake their heads at the little girl who struggled with fundamental scripture, but the little trouble blessing every morning, every little thing she passed by. Everything needs to be encouraged, Isabel said. All God's creations, whether human, animal or God. Sister Anna looked on at the window of the Blessings Convent in Lucia to watch the girl digging her hands into the soil of the church garden. The nun smiled as she recalled the day 
Seven years earlier, when Isabel Rosalia had arrived at her convent, she had been a waist-like child wearing a dirty white cotton dress with purple flowers all over it. Her hair was a mess of dark brown curls falling about her face, but what Tiziana remembered most was the look of Isabel's brilliant, inquisitive green eyes, which showed a depth of knowledge that belied her twelve years of age. Isabella stood before the mother superior without a smile, with grimy hands clinging to two burlap bags, one filled with her clothes, the other stuffed with seeds, all kinds of seeds, apple, peach, apricot seeds, lettuce, pea, green bean, tomato, and spinach seeds, all stuffed into the bag. It was in that moment Anna had whispered, Bella, meaning beautiful, and that, that was the name Anna called Isabella, for the rest of her life. Sister Anne had read the letter from Isabella's aunt, the one who could no longer take care of the little gypsy. Isabella's parents had died the previous year from the influenza that had swept through northern Italy. Her father had some basic schooling and could read and write. He had given this gift to his daughter, but like their family before them, he and his wife had chosen to work the wheat and potato fields of rural Italy. Isabella's family heritage was born out of pagan philosophy, and believed that God's blessings came from the earth, water, soil, wind, and the sun, and the meaning of life could be found in the miracle of healing. Anna remembered Isabella's first day, eyes studying, hands touching the walls, the arts, the statues, the saints, stained glass windows, not in a disrespectful rough manner, but simply out of curiosity, as if seeking to learn something from anything she touched. When Anna opened the door to the convent sanctuary, the little girl's eyes went wide. The modest holy room was anything but impressive. Four wooden pews, votive candles underneath a stained glass window, a Saint Sicilia, a page of Saint Convents, a small statue of the Virgin Mary, and a small oak altar the crucifix of the dying Jesus above. That was all. Have you been inside a church or holy room before? Anna asked. Isabella took her hand. No. Nipped it to her fingers in the holy water. Went on, brought it to her lips. Do you know what it is, Bella? The little girl with green eyes flashed from the, from the world to the statue, to the altar and the crucifix. And back up to Anna. I don't know what anything is for. Ten to one. Pagulia, Italy, July 1914. That's it, boy. No more talk about war. Bonandio Cololio said to his sons as he stood up for dinner table. The old wooden chairs creaked with the weight of a man whose body had been sculptured for years of working the farms of southern Italy. He thought about the growing tension in Europe that seemed to be on everyone's mind. Lately, he picked a splinter that stuck out from the table, and wondered that he still needed to do His wife had asked him the previous week to spend the spend the supposed silver, but his long days in the field left him with little energy to work in the house. And now, where there was incessant talk of war, there was old territorial disputes that had politicians pointing fingers at each other, drumming up naturally its pride in almost every country. But it's coming, Papa, his oldest son, Benny, 
explained. The SS session in large troop friends before then. It's Aviolo. Last month was all of Europe on edge. That's why Montreux wasn't at church today. He joined the army. It didn't surprise Bernardio. Said Montreux was a high spirited boy from a neighboring farm in central Polega. He was prone to help making rash decisions. He was very much like Bernardo's own sons, raised in a small house owned by Landowner, whose farm they worked. Bernardo wanted no part of any war. He was a great season, and he needed his sons here in the vineyard, training the vines on the trestles and removing any extensions leaves to allow the sun to brighten their berries. Despite his struggling economy, his family had produced a wonderful Polenito grape their previous season, and Bernardo wanted his landowner. Again, praising his creation. If you give me your blessing, Benny raised his voice to get his father's attention. I promise to send every lira home to you, help you and Mama. Benny's younger brother, Franco, looked up from the dishes he was watching. You make more money in the big cities than you can in the army, but there isn't any jobs left in Italy, Benny grumbled. That's why our workers are running off to America. As soon as we join the fight, they, they sure pay well, be in the army. Italy won't go to war, Franco said, as he flipped his wash rag into the sink and walked over. Our Prime Minister said he would be neutral. Sandra is a coward. Enough, their father snapped, still unsure how to respond. His guide had always been one he had never questioned, the mighty Catholic Church. The Catrano family founded it. Followed a strict Christian tradition, work, fields, build houses, raise your family, tithe, the church, and trust God's plan. Bernard had been taught that a man had been born into sin, and since the Lord Jesus had died for his sins, only the blood of Jesus could cleanse him from thrown into the fires of the hell. There's no place to pick and choose in the truths proposed by the infallible Catholic Church, but they're bound in heaven by God Himself. Bernardo believed that it baptized people deliberately, denied the question and dogma of the Church. He or she was guilty of hearsay, and immediately became subject of punishment on excommunication. Unfortunately, Bernardo had not thought about what happened when those baptized young people, like his sons, became teens, began to question everything. Everything. Bernardo and Maria Colonna had two sons, the oldest. Benny, at 20, was just like his father, strong, loyal, and dependable. These them for his similarity solidified a special bond. There were times when Maria heard footsteps approach, thinking of his husband, only turned to see Benny. Even in Gates was similar. The youngest son, Franco, at 18, favoured his mother. He was a child who questioned everything from nature to the religion, to the politics of Rome. Vineyards were his playground. He took to them naturally, understanding each great strengths and weaknesses. The two sons could not have been more different. Many would plough through a drawer with the same dogged determination as his father, while Franco would take his time studying soil or weather patterns. Though many a day, Maria would find the youngest sons alone in the vineyard, eyes to the east, checking and clashing currents of the Ariat and Ona Sea to predict when they would bring cool breeze and summer rains, perfect for the crop. 
It was slow, deliberate, cooperative in nature, and agreed his father. Bono closed his eyes for a moment and asked God for guidance. Nothing came. I think, he said, finally said, we should let our Pope decide what he should do. I'm not going to let Pius decide my future, Franco groaned. Benny shoved his younger brother. You should want to defend your country. Despite the differences, Franco adored his brother, admiring both his discipline and determination to serve others. Whether it is his service family, service country, or service law, it didn't matter. There's a fundamental call inside Benny to serve. But this simmering anger inside you it was none of Italy's business, thought Franco. No country attacked him. He had to take a stand and shoved his brother back. But another step between his sons, just as Benny's fist shot forward, though mistakenly clipping his father's jaw. Both sons stepped back in shock, but it was its younger son, Bernardo, grabbed by the collar. This is not your argument. Then when will I ever be included? Franco fired back. Bernardo reached his son, but his hand was still trembling. You have to trust this is all in God's hands. Whose God are we talking about? Franco said without thinking. The God of socialists or the God of naturalists? Bernardo slapped his son across the face. Franco was stunned. His father never hit him before. For a long time, no one spoke. Rano looked down at his hands, scarred from years working on the fields, saw from the day's work of clearing weeds near the great lines, his pictures, a broken nail that hung from his thumb. Angry with himself at striking his son, frustrated by his ability to answer his son's question. Bernardo sacrificed everything for his family. He'd worked extra, had sacrificed everything for him, and he'd worked extra shifts to allow his sons go to school. This is for payback, a respectful child. Bernardo glanced up at his son, and struck by what he saw. He saw his wife's eyes filled with the same disappointment he had found when Amelia had lost a baby in childbirth ten years ago. Please, thank God. Bernardo finally said, his voice barely audible, just listen to me. The lights of dawn sneaked past the cotton drapes in the colour's kitchen and into Bernardo Marie's bedroom. A rooster on the front porch crowed. Bernardo stirred and rolled onto his side, the old spring bed creaking under his weight. Marie had been up for an hour, setting the table for breakfast, preparing for the week ahead. Sunday was gone, a favourite day, the only day of rest required by the Lord. Allowed by a husband, church was me his time to catch up with friends with children the, and with visitors who had come to the village with news of from far. As Barnona stretched in bed, Maria caught herself gazing out the window, thinking of yesterday in the walk home from the church with her family. Maria could feel how her younger son distancing himself from them. His questions of life beyond the olives and grapes beyond the vine become more frequent. He was drawn to anyone new at church. But stories of Rome and someone else, or anywhere else. When a priest from Tuscany spoke at church one Sunday, Franco lingered behind, listening to his tales of great ampering range of a soil so perfect a wine practically made itself. On this Monday morning, Maria looked outside and saw the morning dew had soaked everything. It was hanging over the olive branches, heavy on the loom panes by the gates. Her eyes drew closer to the porch. She saw the wet tracks of a boy's boots and wood. Franco was sitting in the father's chair, pillowcase stuffed by his side. He was staring out of the farm as if he was holding on to his one final memory of home. Frank Maria went out and sat next to her son. 
You don't have to go, she said. The farm is struggling, Mama. Thank you, Paul, for the long moment. I wrote Papa a letter. I'll send you half of everything I made. Your father loves you. I know, he said. And then he glanced inside the house where his father lay sleeping. But if I go, Benny will stay. A truck ran through Maria. She had always known that their youngest son protected their eldest. He is the brother who tightened the wires on the trestles over Benny had rushed to finish. The younger that had taught the older how to read and rescued from the fights on the streets of Bari. Maria stared at Franco, so still to the poise, so poised in sudden knowledge of what her body knew tore at her heart. She reached her son's hand and said, reached her son's hand, said, a man's heart to do this his way. Franco stood up, finished his favourite, his mother's favourite passage from the Proverbs 16.9, but the Lord directed his steps. She smiled, choose peace in every step you take. And that is from, I hope you enjoyed this book, available on Amazon. Please check it out, folks. Thank you. Bye.